Welcome to Cup of Joy, the podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B., Chief Joy Officer and Divorce Coach at Joyfully B. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you shift your junk to joy, heartbreak to healing, and free the funk so you can move forward faster. We don't just survive, we thrive by using joy as our GPS to create a life you're obsessed with. I invite you now to grab your cup of joy juice for another epic episode. Like my mama B always says, put a smile on your face and joy in your heart. And with that, let's start. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cup of Joy, the podcast. I am so excited to bring a special guest to you today. We have Dr. Varun Gandhi, a life orchestrator, soulpreneur, inventor, philanthropist, and a water doctor. He enjoys orchestrating businesses, events, and ideas about the self. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Heidi. Love and abundance, everyone. And I appreciate uh, this opportunity to share my story. We're so, so grateful that you are here. So in today's episode, Dr. Gandhi and I thought that it would be a beautiful topic to drop into really sitting with yourself and how to master your life. And this is a topic that I know you are an expert on. So I'm going to ask you lots and lots of juicy questions so our listeners can really step into this space of self-mastery, if you will. And before we dive too deep, I've read all about you on your website and, you know, did a little poking around of my own. And I know that you've learned so much through your heartbreak and career changes. And there's just like so many incredible things that you've moved through in your journey so far. But I would love for our guests to hear your own journey from from your heart and it really helped them get a little bit of background on you and why you're so passionate about sharing these messages with others. Thank you. Thank you for that, uh, for the question. And I, I love the title. I love the the topic that you chose for today. Uh, so you know, I'll dive into my background. Uh, I was on that traditional track in life. I'm going to you know graduate high school, go to college, graduate college and get an advanced degree uh, find that career that's gonna, you know, bring me all of that happiness, you know, the promised land, right? Uh, living that American dream. And uh, I made it all the way through from, uh, I was born and brought up in Dubai, I lived there for 15 years, and I moved to America, two months before 9-11. And, and I came here in my junior year, in the in uh, high school, so right in the middle of high school, when everyone has made their cliques, when everyone has formed their groups, and I'm like this oddball out with a really thick Indian accent, just looking like I didn't belong in this, mm. you know, in, in school. And I was there. Uh, it was a rough time at the very beginning, first couple months, you know, making friends and uh, getting to know people in the school. It was, it was difficult. But once I found that group of a couple of people that even though, you know, we'd sit together for lunch, even though we, we may not even talk. But we just our presence of each other just was very comforting, and we we eat, eat our own lunches uh, together. Uh, so that's how it started. Well, then I graduated high school, went to college, graduated with my undergrad, and now I was scratching my head because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had what did you had- What did you go to school for? What did you study? So I did. Uh, this is another story within the you know university is because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I started, I applied as an undecided engineering. Engineering was something in the family. Oh, yeah. Generations and generations. I was like, okay, that's got to be it, right? Right. 
I undecided engineering. I just went in like, I'll explore and see what happens. Uh, so at that time, when I was when I first started, biomedical engineering was at its uh, nascent phases. It was just starting to grow, and this is all of the technology that goes in the medical industry. You know, so I was kind of interested in. That. I was like, all right, this is an interesting top field. So I, I for for the second year, I went into biomedical. I changed my major to biomedical engineering. Took some classes. I was all right. It was kind of uh, going well. But then I realized that there are not many jobs out there. Like once I graduate, I would have to kind of specialize in something, dive deeper, and then potentially fight for a job in the market because it was very very beginning phases, right? Yeah. Uh, not knowing where it's going to grow in the next. 15, 20 years. So then I switched to civil engineering, which is my dad is a civil engineer. His dad is a civil engineer. His dad is a civil engineer. So like, all right, that's gotta be it. <laughs> um, and so I did civil engineering and then within civil engineering, there are different focuses. So within that, I focused on environmental engineering, kind of giving back to the environment, you know, kind of uh, saving the environment. So it was, uh, that was my, uh, my bachelor's and then my master's, I went in the same field of environmental engineering and I focused on specifically on water that comes into our house, you know, the drinking water, uh, mm-hmm. that was my kind of specialty and my PhD. So then I was kind of going through my master's and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but then there's uh, this opportunity came in that my professor that I had done research for. He had just recently won this grant for this one particular project. And it sounded kind of interesting. I was like, all right, let me. <laughs> well, he said that I need you to be a PhD student, not a master. So you're going to have to convert to a PhD, stay in school for another four or five years to do all of this research. And then, you know, only then I can take you. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to go back to work because I just had done an internship for three months uh, in between my undergrad and my master's. And I didn't enjoy it at all. I didn't see myself in that role. Uh, so th- with that in the back of my mind, I went back to my master's and I said, you know what? Within a couple of months, I decided that I'm going to stay in school longer. So now I decide, okay, I'm going to, I essentially ended up in being in school for nine and a half years, graduated with my bachelor's, master's and PhD, like really, really, really focused on that one little topic. Uh, and I'll give you an analogy, like take, you know, like how a screen, a TV screen has all of these different pixels. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is basically, you know, a screen is broken down into so many different dots and uh, which we can't see by a naked eye. So imagine your room being all of those pixels. Your whole room is pixelated with so many different dots, like millions and billions of dots. My career at that point was just that one dot in that room. I was so focused on that one particular dot that I was ignoring everything else outside of it. There was mm. so much potential, so much out there, but I was so focused on that one particular thing. Well, I graduated PhD and now I, uh, so this is when the breakup happened as well. As I was graduating in the last about three months or so, I was, I had just broken up in May, uh, and I was graduating in August. And so during that time, I, it was really rough for me because I had to focus on writing my dissertation, putting this 200 page book together. But in the back of my mind, all I could think was this relationship, two years of it. And now all of a sudden we're no longer together. So I'd remember I'd wake up in the morning and just with tears in my eyes, yeah. not accepting, not wanting to accept this reality, you know, the, the current reality. I'd, I'd have all of my dreams would be the past reality and all of the, the happiness that was there. And now I wake up and I'm like, oh no, this is not it. And uh, then I had to like push myself out of bed to get to the table so I could get some work done. 
You really uh, do. Like, Isn't that the truth? It's uh, you um, really, I mean, even just pulling the covers off some days just feels like such a struggle. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was rough. And I'll tell you the one thing that helped me was comedy. Uh, at that time, oh. John Stewart was on The Daily Show. And that 22 minute bit was what I would look forward to every morning. And right before I start off my days, I'd watch that and then I'd do my work. And that put me in a great mood to get started with my day. What was in that? Because I, I know comedy, it makes us laugh and all the things, but like what was in that? I agree with you so much. It's like, where can I find these little nuggets of things to look forward to? I have my clients all the time create a looking forward to list because mm -hmm. of what you just said. Because so many times we have this to-do list. I've got to do all these things. I've got to write this giant dissertation. I've got to do all da 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 da, da. But am I looking forward to those things? I'm looking forward to graduating. I'm looking forward to jumping on the, you know, getting to go on this amazing next journey. But like, what am I looking forward to? So why comedy? What, what, what about that? Just gave you a little glimpse of like a little push every day. Uh, I think, you know, I was so down every time uh, all of my thoughts were was so focused on that one issue in my life that yeah. I couldn't think about anything else. So when I was lost in the comedy for that 22 minutes, it was in essence, it was like a meditation. You know, I was meditating on that John Stewart clip and I wasn't really thinking about anything else. Ooh, so it yeah. got me out of that. You know, that my, the, that's the, the state of just focusing so much on one issue. Uh, and I was able to a laugh through it, maybe even, you know, learn something from it. Cause you know, his satire was really, uh, was amazing. You know, he had so much yeah. to share, a lot of messages to share as well. Uh, so that, I think that all of it helped. I love uh, that. That's like the, it interrupts the script is what I hear you saying. It, it just yes. interrupts that, that loop mm -hmm. that will just, it's relentless too. When you're in that spot, it's just relentless. So interrupting that loop with something that you've been looking forward to is so powerful. Thank you for that nugget. Uh, thank you. Thank you for pulling it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now I'm, you know, now I graduated and I'm still going through this dark period in my life. Uh, and I moved, that was my whole life at this, the, this point was in Atlanta, Georgia. And now for my job, I graduated from there and moved to Boise, Idaho for the job. Uh, across the country, I had never heard of Boise, Idaho until I went there for the interview. But everyone that's listening, I would highly recommend going. It's beautiful. It's really? Gorgeous. I've never oh been, but God. I have, I have a dear friend who, who tells me if I could live anywhere, I would live in Idaho. And I'm like, really? I've never it's even thought of going gorgeous. to Idaho. Okay, I'm writing it down. I'm going. I'm going. You gotta go. Okay. Definitely. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I move out there, and this could have represented that that move into the cave, like you know, let me go into that darkness to understand what's there. Because I moved to Idaho, I don't know anyone there, so it's kind of like the perfect opportunity for me to focus on myself. Yeah. Well, I didn't take it. I would do everything to distract myself from that, right, from the work. There was there was a lot going on inside of me at this time. And I, I would say I was probably even depressed, but I was not diagnosed, like clinically diagnosed. Uh, but just the feeling inside, you know, like down, like really, really down deep in there. Yeah. Uh, so I moved to Idaho and I the, the moment I found friends, I was like all over town having fun, you know, anything to distract myself. And there were some positive things that came out of it. I'd go camping, I'd go hiking, sure. you know, so that was, that was the great things that happened, but it was also a lot of alcohol. There was also a lot of, you know, kind of just drowning out the pain in whatever way I could find. 
I was going to say you did a lot better job than I did because mine involved a lot of partying and a oh, lot. There was of, a lot of partying. <laughs> it was. I would. It was divorce distraction at the max. Like I do not want to sit here with myself, right? Oh yeah, that, that's exactly how it was, and it was like that for a year and a half for me. I'd constantly every Friday, Saturday, we'd meet up with friends, drink a bottle of uh, whiskey each day. Like Friday night, one liter. Saturday night, another liter. Which between three or four of us, and yeah. that's how it was. Just and that was for a whole year, oh, a yeah. whole year of that. So finally, like a year and a half, I realized that I had to slow down. I was putting my body through so much. I'd gotten bloated, inflamed. Yes, my energy. Like by two, three p.m., I'd feel drowned, drained. Like I couldn't do anything. I'd have to go for that coffee, go out for a walk. You know, I'd be at work, but I couldn't focus on work. Right. Uh, and I realized that something I'm doing something to myself. And I need to do something about it. Yeah. So it took me about a year and a half to realize what I'd done to my body. Uh, and now I finally got to the point that, uh, and also I, I'd wake up in the morning with pains in my solar plexus and my stomach region. Yeah. Started initially with like, like small pains, but then over a month or two, it grew into something bigger that I said, okay, I have to do something about this now. Mm. And at that point, everything just came to the, like a head, like, okay, my career, my love life, you know, that all of it, everything was all happening at the same time. I wasn't happy about it. I had all these questions about my career as well. Like, mm -hmm. why am I doing this? What is my purpose in this job? Uh, you know, is there something greater beyond this? And I would project myself because I'd see people in the company who had been there for 10 years and I'd project myself in their shoes. Like, would I enjoy doing this for 10 years to get to that role of, you know, that senior position or whatever it, it may be? And every time I'd ask that question, I was, the answer was always no. Yeah, so that deep knowing. Uh, yeah, and that was the solar plexus pain. It was yes. that was telling me that you're not happy at this job. There's something that you need to do about it. So finally, I realized, okay, this this has got to go. And it's not this job because my parents would convince me like, hey, uh, maybe stay in the career because you did 10 years, almost 10 years of college. Why not stay in the same field, but find a different job? And... I knew that that wouldn't solve it. You know, I'd seen mm. my friends go through this too. They'd go through a period of unhappiness, switch their jobs, be happy for a little bit, go through another period of unhappiness, switch to your jobs every two years. And yeah. I'd seen that. And I was like, I don't want to get into that. It's amazing so. that you were able to witness it outside of yourself and then question it for yourself. Because it some people never ha never have that opportunity to look outwards. A lot of times we look outwards just to compare, right? Which just, oh, that crushes us. We compare, oh yeah, okay, I just got to keep, I got to do what they're doing and da, 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 and then change and all things. But to have that introspective, even especially in a time where there's just so much, I'll call it confusion. Maybe that's not the word you would use, but just so much swirling at once yeah. and uncertainty to have that moment to go, mm-mm, nope. Nope, it's something else for me. That's really powerful awareness. Thank you. And I knew what I didn't want. I didn't know what I wanted at this point. You know, I was like, I was like trying, okay, was this, is this it, this career? Nope, that's not it. All right, let me move on to the next one. And that's essentially been my life since I've become an entrepreneur, I left that career behind. And I've been trying out, you know, all these different things. Uh, so after I left that job, uh, I moved back to Atlanta and I become an entrepreneur. Uh, at this time, I also, right before leaving, I picked up this book by Deepak Chopra called The Book of Secrets. Well, that book is like uh, advanced, you know, like 501 master's degree level book. And I was a very, just entering undergraduate at that point in spirituality. 
you know? And so I pick up this book. I didn't understand 95% of it. There's only the little bit that I picked up and that was meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I go back to Atlanta and I look up what meditation is and, you know, kind of wanted to start something in it, like a ritual every day, meditating to start moving my life in the direction that I wanted to go in. So I moved back and I say, okay, I'm going to start meditating. And this kind of began this journey into sitting with myself. It took me 30, 28, 29 years because up until this point, I was on that wheel, just running from one thing to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. I didn't have the opportunity to really slow down and pay attention, introspect, look at myself. You know, so I was operating from all of this past uh, habits, past behaviors that I picked up and I wasn't aware of it. So finally, when I learned about meditation and started researching more about it, learning more about it, and when I actually sat down and started meditating, that began my journey of sitting with myself. And boy, I tell you, it's so powerful sitting with yourself. It is. I call that moment like... Oprah calls it the aha moment. I call it the enough already moment. Like when you're in that moment of your life and there is maybe this divine intervention, call it whatever you want. For me, it was just this divine intervention that I literally heard my soul screaming enough already, Mm. enough. There gets to be a change now. Yeah. To do life differently. And the fact that you, how'd you find that book? Like, because it sounds like that was pretty powerful. How'd you even, how'd you even get to the book moment? That's a great question. You know, I think it, I, I know it was on Amazon. I was searching for some topic on Amazon and then I came across that book and I was like, Hey, it's an Indian guy. Let me, I, I don't know who this guy is. So let me just book it up, you know, look it up. And he was like, oh, he's got some secrets to tell. I want, I want to know some secrets. Uh, So I think that's how I'm like, okay, let me just pick this book up. I don't know what I'm expecting. That makes me, that makes me feel so, I feel like we have this in common because at that enough already moment, I took my tail end straight to Barnes and Noble and I scoured, scoured the aisles. I'm like, okay, all right. I know it's enough already. Now let's find the title that's going to fix it all. And I just, I mean, I would go there every Saturday, hoping that they would restock the shelves with something that I missed the last week. It was, it was really funny when it's interesting because I have several books that have changed, Mm -hmm. have impacted my journey, several, several that I recommend now and all the things. But what I didn't realize is, after I, after you read the book, we have to sit with ourselves because then what, what's there after you have these moments of uh, these golden nuggets that you're consuming, what comes after the consuming, what happens in the sitting, you know? Yeah. And that's where the change happens is in that sitting. You, we can learn all of the things from these books, but if we don't apply it to our life and find a way to, uh, you know, apply that to our life and, I think I, that's where I, I sit down and now in this advanced level, I've, you know, sit down and create plans for myself, right? Before mm-hmm. that, I didn't have this opportunity to plan my life out because I was so focused on the next thing, just running, 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 running. And I was usually running after something that society or someone else told me that I'd be happy running after, chasing after. Yeah. Like you said, 28 years, all going back to 
the career that your parents had. I, I had, I can't tell you the number of people. My mom was a kindergarten teacher for over 30 years and I love what she did, but I didn't want to be a kindergarten teacher. I didn't want to work in the public school system. I didn't want to grade papers at night. I wanted to, I didn't know at the time that I wanted to teach and guide. I wanted to be a teacher. I always wanted to be a teacher. And I think that's because her energy inspired me. Her love for helping humans inspired me. But I couldn't put, I couldn't place what that was at the time. And when I went to college, I almost did the same thing. I almost went, I mean, it runs in my blood. My grandma was a teacher. My mom's a teacher. My brother-in-law's a teacher, right? And so we look kind of, again, looking around and studying of of looking inward because we're not taught how to do that. We're not taught how to do that when we are growing up and we're not taught how to look inward when we find ourselves in uncomfortable situations like moving from Dubai to the United States. I mean, that alone is just so much. But when you're trying to navigate new relationships, we're not taught even how to use our inner knowledge on how to connect with others on an energetic level and beyond. So thank you so much for sharing that part of your story. I know we could probably talk for hours and learn so much from each other, each other's stories. Oh, oh definitely. But I, I want to talk about that um, learning how to, because sitting in your self-mastery, I mean, I feel like there's so much depth in this, but you have a course that's called What's Your Story? Mm-hmm. Tell me about who this helps and and, and how stories can really improve our lives. Yeah, so this is this is an idea that I'd been playing around with a while for for a long time, and uh, it started with being able to sit with myself. Uh, so when I started sitting with myself, I realized that I make up the stories in my head. Meaning, let's say uh, you know, a certain situation that I'm in, and I'm trying to make sense of that situation, and that making sense of the situation is me creating a story around that situation. Because there are so many different possibilities. Heidi, if you and I were in the same situation, we would look at it differently and create a different story in our minds. And based on that story, make certain set of decisions. And your decision will be different from my decision because we have lived separate experiences. We have lived separate lives. We've gone through separate things and our habits, our behaviors are different. And so, and it's all based on the stories that we're creating about all of our experiences. Yeah. Now, Heidi, you go to a concert, I go to the same concert, and we're having the greatest time. And then all of a sudden, you know, I go through a breakup, for example, at that concert. And now suddenly that becomes the worst concert of my life. Whereas for you, it was your most favorite band. It was the best concert of your life, you know? And so differing stories at the same uh, experience. And that's the idea. And so I'll give you an analogy. The way The way this works in our daily life is... You know, we're sitting like, imagine we're sitting in a movie theater. We're watching this movie on the screen. The screen is, you know, uh, is a tool that helps us watch the movie. There's a projector in the back that's projecting the movie, projecting a film onto the screen. So the projector is another tool and there's a film inside of it that actually contains the essence of the movie. Mm. The same analogy applies in our life on a daily basis. The screen in our lives are all of the different people, the different experiences, everything that we're trying to make sense of. That's the screen of our life. There's a projector. The projector is our third eye, our chakra, third eye chakra. 
our imagination that's projecting all of these different images onto that screen. And it's utilizing data from the film that's inside of us. Those are our memories, our habits, our experiences, everything that we've created, all of the data that we've collected from the past, the whole history that you've lived here, all of that data is, is the film that's inside of us. So our projector picks up all of the data from, from the film and projects it onto the screen in our lives. And that's the story that we're creating on a daily basis. And if by sitting with myself, I was able to slow down my life and really pay attention to what story am I creating in what situation? How am I allowing, you know, there is an incident that happened outside. Maybe there's an accident that happened to me. Uh, how am I allowing that accident to affect me? Am I creating this negative story in my mind and bringing up all of this anger because this person hit me and, you know, and I have to go through all of this pain and all the struggle? Or am I saying, you know what, that's okay. You know, I'll, I'll still be happy. I'll still be joyful, go through the motions of fixing my car and all this stuff. You know, so we have the power there. And I think this, this course essentially applies to everybody. Yeah, it really does. You know, and the the way I created this course is more like an engineering mind is breaking things down and understanding them. And so what you do, what we do in this course is we're creating our life film. And essentially, this is our history. Essentially, every experience that we've had in the past that has a positive or or has had a negative impact on us. Uh, We're recording all of those experiences. You know, at age this, you had certain experience that happened. How did that affect? that experience affect you? How is that experiencing currently affecting you? Even though it happened 25 years ago, it probably still plays a role in our life at this very moment. And that's what I want to uncover through creating this life film. So that's our past. Then we can do the same thing for our future. What do we want to create for ourselves? You know, once we work out our past, we're going to understand what our patterns are, what our behaviors are, what our uh, thought processes are of everything that's affecting us right now. And once we kind of understand, okay, this is where I'm at, now we can create a better future for ourselves. So we can now create a story that's allowing us to walk in the direction of that future that we're living for. Uh, so this is that's what the the whole course is about. Wow, that is that it sounds like that is the course that we need to insert right into about maybe junior high or even high school or or even I take it as a like college level like entry course, right? Where you've been you've been walking this earth for a long time and no one's ever showed you what what your film can look like what your film can look like. Oh, that's so, so powerful. Well, it sounds like you have served your soul so well by sitting with yourself. I mean, what else does that look like either inside or outside of meditation? What other things do we need to be focused on to create that self-mastery? You know, like I mentioned earlier about the comedy being my meditation, the you know, that 22 minute bit. So I think a meditation can be anything where you're disconnecting from that flow in your mind, you know, the flow of thoughts that's constantly going on, that's constantly happening, anything that allows you to disconnect from it and you're completely lost in that activity. So whether that's painting, for example, if you love painting, you're completely lost in that for two hours, three hours at a time, that's your meditation. If you love storytelling and you're reading this book, a uh, fiction book, and you're completely imagining everything that's going on in that book. That's your meditation. Uh, and that's disconnecting from that flow, uh, you know, the, the constant flow that's going on. 
the, mm-hmm. the one thing that meditation I realized that helped me do is I was in that flow constantly at the surface, so turbulent, always up and down. It's like the ocean waves at the very surface. It's always just beating you down, right? What meditation allowed me to do is dive deeper into the ocean and go mm-hmm. to the depths of the ocean where I can be more still, go beyond all of that noise at the top and you know, be still no matter what's going on outside of me or inside of me, you know? And so that's, that's what med- that's the most powerful thing that meditation helped me do is transform from that reaction to uh, responding and yeah. give that space in between it. Yeah. I love that so much. I love, I love the duality of using meditation in different ways through different avenues. I think that's really powerful, especially for people just starting to make that, make a shift or make a change um, or invite themselves into uh, doing life differently. What are some of, what, what is currently your favorite kind of meditation? Because there's so many different practices. Well, what's your favorite one right now? My favorite one right now, there are two of them that I do. So one is, uh, this is my morning ritual. It's about 15 to 20 minutes and it's a lot of breath work. Yes. It's breathing through the chakras and uh, kind of activating each of the chakras using certain mudras, certain hand positions. Uh, And so, and that's what I do for about 20 minutes in the morning. So it kind of gets me focused, uh, gets me activated and energized as well. Is a particular breath work I do at the end, which is I think what Wim Hof does as well. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of found it in our Indian scriptures that, that there's a particular breathing technique. So I started doing that. And I realized, okay, it's essentially infusing my whole body with oxygen, the way yes. I'm breathing. And it's so powerful. It just feel completely energized after that. So I end my meditation with that particular breath work. I love so, that you I, said breath work because people who haven't been introduced to it before. I actually got certified in breathwork two years ago and I use it with all of my clients in every session, solo and group and beyond. And I also get, I'll just call it serviced (laughs) by other coaches who do breathwork with me when I need that co-nourishment, but I also know how to do it by myself. And the same thing every morning is a part of my self-certainty practice. That's how I honor myself. And and there's just so many different breathwork patterns that you can use to channel whatever it is that you need. If you need a little bit more calm or peace or stillness, or if you need that energy boost, it's um, the coach that I learned from. She says, always says like, we are our own drug or we are our medicine. We are our own medicine. So whichever, whichever way you want to be, but it, it really that. is a powerful practice. So yeah, I love that you brought that up in the world of meditation, that breathwork can be such a powerful piece. Yeah. Yeah. I like how you said self-certainty practice. That's a great one. I'm going to think I'm going to yeah, uh, keep calling it that. Yeah, there's so many people who say morning routine or blah, 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 blah. And and I'm just like, wait, hold on. This is my, this is how I honor myself. This is where I create that core need of certainty that is so often thrown off course, which is why we try to meet that need in so many ways that don't serve us. So yeah, yeah. Thanks for saying that. And what's the other way uh, that you meditate? What's your other favorite right now? Walking meditation. So going out, I also have a six month old, so he loves going out, uh, taking out and taking him out in the stroller and, uh, you know, he gets so excited for it. So I try to do it every morning, uh, go out for about half an hour, 45 minutes, uh, take about a two mile walk, uh, with him and just get lost in it. 
When you say that, do you listen to something? Do you not listen to anything? What does that walking meditation look like for you? Uh, most of the times I am listening to something and it's uh, partly it's also because uh, he enjoys the first part and then he falls asleep for the second part. <laughs> and so I'm like, you know what, at this time I'm going to listen to something. And so I, uh, I go to YouTube and find something that's uh, either motivational, whatever I need for the day. So either motivational or some kind of message that I, you know, video on YouTube that I, okay, I think I really, I'm going to enjoy this. So I'll play that. Or it could be, you know, like tips for something or to kind of like it's a building uh, time for me as well. Or the other thing I do is I'll have an affirmation or something playing in the background in mm. my headphones. And I'll also be doing a visualization exercise for something that I'm going to want to manifest in that day or um, that week or the month. Mm. That is so beautiful. I love that so much. There's, I, I love this conversation right here because I think it allow invites people to be creative with their avenues. And so many times when people bring up meditation, people go, "Oh no, I'm not sitting still. I'm not. I'm not going to close my eyes and and you know sound it out or breathe it out." Or and I thought that for a long time too. I lived in that world for a very long time. Like this is that is not for me. I. I'm a runner and I move my emotions through running and I only run. Well, I learned very quickly. Well, not quickly. I learned the hard way after a very long time and the heartache and heartbreak that I was actually running from like literally and emotionally, but literally running from myself. Sitting with yourself. Right? Yeah. Running from sitting with myself, yeah. <laughs> which is the opposite of the self-mastery that we're talking about. So thank you for sharing so many beautiful options. And I love that too, right? We have we have these technology tools. Let's use them to our advantage, right? We can go on YouTube. We can find that podcast. We can find all these different avenues where there's millions of options for us to step into this part. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll give you another, uh, I just thought about this, another example, a friend, there's another kind of meditation. Uh, so a friend, he told me the story where he was really in love with this one girl. Uh, and he told me that every time he would hang out with her, probably happened like once a week or something. Uh, during that time, he would have the time of his life. Like he wouldn't be thinking about anything else. He'd just be there with that person, you know, the one hour, two hours, whatever it may be. That's a meditation. You're not thinking about anything else and you're completely there with that person. Mm. And now I'm realizing that that's what he was doing. He was actually in a, he enjoyed that, the part of the meditation, like, you know, not thinking about, because knowing that guy is, he's an engineer, he's a lot in his thoughts and always thinking. So when he was in that state of, I'm not thinking, but I'm feeling, feeling this energy with that person, he loved that aspect. That's what Oof. meditation is. Thank you for that. That to me just sounds like honoring presence, bringing yourself to a focus and state of just pure presence. And that's so powerful. So powerful. You know, our bodies can tell us, send us so many messages. How do we listen to our bodies and what it's trying, what they're trying to tell us? Maybe it's meditation. Maybe we just covered that. That's what it was for me. You know, honestly, the first time, which was, which was in that career when I was, you know, going through it about a year and a half and I felt my solar plexus, that is the first time I remember 
tuning into my body and actually making a decision based on that. You know, up until that point, I was maybe ignoring it. Maybe the signs were there, um, but I wasn't really paying attention to it. Finally, at that moment, something inside of me, I was also on, this was an unconscious phase in my life. So something inside of me sat down with it and was asking that pain questions like, why are you there? What's the purpose? You know, what's the message? Something along those lines. Uh, And that question kept coming in mind that, you know, why are you going to this job? What's the greater purpose? And I felt like there was something greater out there for me. So that was the first time I felt like I was actually listening to my body, tuning in and making a decision based on that. And then since then, I make it a point. Anytime I feel something, it's like I have to go with that because it that I've I've always re- relied on it, and it's always taken me in a great direction. Mm. Uh, and, and so, yeah, meditation was it for me to really tune into what's going on. Because you know, if you're not present, you're gonna miss everything that your body's telling you because your body is in the present moment, and your thoughts and everything else is all over the place. But if you're not here, not in your body, connected to it, then you're not gonna feel it. Uh, so oh. now what I do with this is I apply it to my diet as well. Mm-hmm. What am I bringing into my body? What am I putting into my system? Right? What kind of foods am I eating? The way I do this is anytime I eat something, especially if it's something new at this point in my life, something new that I've not had before, I'll eat it. And then I'll see how it feels during the eating. Then an hour after, three, four hours after, six, eight hours after, and then the morning after, just to see how it sits in my system what sense the sensations am i feeling do i feel inflamed do i feel pain bloated do i want to feel this again that's the important question yes do I want to feel this again and then the second thing is is it taking me to a state that i want to feel you know like is this food allowing me to feel something that's taking me in the direction that i want to go in and not actually holding me back pulling me down making me feel awful uh, and that's how i use it to this in this very day is what foods am I eating and how does it make me feel? Oh, my soul. We haven't even talked about this, but I struggled with food in my body for two decades, which so many women do, but I had extreme body dysmorphia. It's actually why I got into coaching in the first place was to help women through emotional eating uh, because a big reason why I went through divorce in the first place was because I didn't understand that that I was abusing myself um, emotionally and physically through food. And, and so I became a coach for that and have since pivoted to working with divorced women. But a huge part of this is listening to those messages that you're missing. And how does it make me feel? Is it, I always say, is it getting me closer to or further from the person I want to be in the life I want to live? Like that's always my gateway. That's always my checkpoint. That's always my go-to. And it wasn't for a very, very long time until I learned that. But but one thing that you just said really hit home. It was like, how does this feel? I forgot the second thing that you asked. You said the one thing, and what was the second part? Uh, second one was, how does it uh, feel in the future? Yeah, that... how does, yeah, how, how does this feel in the future? Uh... Something close to that. It was close to that. Yeah. How is how does this make me feel in the future? So what I was thinking too is also what is what isn't this allowing me to feel? Because one of the things that I did was I I was trying to numb my emotions. So I didn't want to feel sad anymore. I, I was exhausted from feeling sad and, and all the emotions and all the grief and all the things. But, but by blocking those things, I was really blocking my joy, right? 
And so if I'm trying to use food to numb out, then that's blocking all the things that are actually available to me. So I just loved how you put all of that. Loved that so much. Yeah, our bodies are such powerful tools. Oh, our bodies are, I mean, they tell you everything that you need to know, you know, just tune into it. And that's what the last maybe about four years has taught me is just being able to listen to it is such an important skill to have because it'll tell you what direction you want to go in. Yeah, you have this quote. I think it's on your website. I'm not sure, but uh, if if not, I apologize. I got it from somewhere. And it says, each and every cell in the body is listening to your inner dialogue. I'm sure it was on your website, Deepak Chopra. Yep, each and every cell is listening to your body. Yep, to your conversation. I mean, what you're telling yourself is being heard by all of the trillions of cells inside of you. And when you say something, your uh, your cells are aligning to that, right? And so are you empowering yourself with your conversations, your inner conversations, your inner self-talk? Or are you disempowering yourself? Are you going in the direction that you want to go in for your life, achieving your goals, whatever that, whatever that goal may be in your relationship, your personal, uh, spiritual career, finance? And that conversation, you know, this, the self-talk is so, so important. What are the things that I'm saying? I mean, the most important thing is what things I'm saying about myself, but also what things I'm saying about other people, right? And so all of it has some message in there for you, for me to understand how I see this world and how I see myself. Uh, So that self-talk is so very important. And if we're at the surface, at the top of the ocean, more often than not, we're not even hearing our self-talk because that is so subtle. That is so kind of in the background. Uh, and when I dove deeper and deeper and deeper, that's when I was able to really, really pay attention to that, you know, and those feelings and those sensations. Uh, Mm -hmm. so yeah, connecting with that, uh, with the self-talk connecting with the body, I think is, is an important skill and it's frankly needs to be taught in high school or college very early on in our lives. So we know how to deal with life. Absolutely. And I I love that you shared, I didn't even know I was going to go in this direction, but I love that you shared that you do that walking meditation on a regular basis as one of your favorite things. And one of the ways that I, through my healing journey, reconnected to my intuition was by actually going on a walking meditation. And my coach would always say, okay, I want you to go out and I just want you to walk and I want you to notice, I want you to ask yourself intuitive questions. So I would ask myself questions that I knew the answer to. Definitive yes questions and definitive no questions. This is how I started out. And I would just walk and walk and walk. And I would ask myself, is your name Heidi? Do you like this kind of food? Do you like that? kind?" And then I would notice how my cells, how my body was responding. So that when it came to moments in my life that I was that I, my brain didn't think it knew the answer to my body. I knew exactly how my body responded to it. And my body could tell my mind the truth instead of my mind trying to tell my body what it thinks I need from a place of scarcity and fear and all the things that our brain does when it thinks we need to be protected. But so often it doesn't need that protection. It just needs that. It just needs direction, not protection from the body. So thanks for sharing that earlier. That sparked that. That is so beautiful. I'm so glad you said that, you know, how your body was giving direction to your brain and not the other way around. I think that's very powerful. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Oh my gosh. So this is that. I said, I was going to say, it's like your subconscious mind, which is the body is giving direction to the conscious mind, which is that brain um, aspect. And yeah, that's very powerful when it does that. Usually it's the conscious mind, you know, directing subconscious, but the conscious is always in that fear that that state and the subconscious is not. So yeah, it's, it's very powerful to, to have that in there. So good. So good. This has been such a fun conversation, such a meaningful conversation. I want to make sure that our listeners know how they can get more of you in their life. Like, what are you up to? Where can they find you? Tell us all the things. Yes. My my, uh, website uh, is probably the best place. Website and Instagram uh, is uh, both of them are drvarungandhi.com and Instagram is drvarungandhi. That's D-R-V-A-R-U-N-G-A-N-D-H-I. And uh, that's the best best places to to have a conversation with me, to reach out to me, connect with me. What I'm up to in my life, uh, you know, there's one major project that I've been working on during this pandemic. And this is uh, giving back to people. And this is the philanthropy part. Oh. Uh, you know, we, early on in the pandemic, we realized that there was a need for uh, food because people had lost their jobs, businesses were shutting down, you know, and so they didn't have income coming in. They didn't have a way to put food on the tables. Uh, so we started with uh, supplying some groceries, putting these grocery bags together and creating a distribution to to the people. And eventually that morphed into hot meals where we're creating cook, freshly cooked meals in our kitchen and distributing out into the community. Wow. Uh, so we've done this for the last about two and a half years since May 2020. And uh, we're hitting upon a quarter million miles uh, in a month or so in, in this December. Uh, and we're, yeah, so we're, we've been, it's, it's an amazing uh, project that we've taken on. It's not just me, there's a whole team of people doing this. And it's, it's been such a blissful work, blissful work. Yeah. I just, I, I want to share more about it, you know, on different platforms, just let people know that, you know, we could start something like this out of our homes. You know, if you have a passion for feeding people, you can do this, uh, and we can show you how to do it as well. We've done it for multiple other teams that want to feed people in their areas. And we're continue continue to do so in 2023. We're looking to kind of take this kitchen into you know, we're in LA right now, but we're looking to go all over the country. You know, if anyone around the country is looking to feed people, then this is, you know, we have the, the ways to do that. Wow. That is so incredible. I I didn't think that you could be more incredible than what I've experienced so far. And then you drop that. What's it called? What is this mission called? What is it called? Uh, we call it the Hot Meals Program, something very simple. And, uh, you know, uh, we we do about 2,000 meals every Sunday. Wow. And we give it out into the community. So essentially, different organizations, they let us know during the week that we want, you know, X number of meals. We'll have those ready. They'll come up, they'll come to our facility, pick them up, and then they'll go into different parts of the city and distribute them in the different communities. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely yeah. incredible. It's, thank- it's been an amazing, amazing. Uh, yeah, for sure. Well, thank you. Wow. Well, I am going to drop all of those details in the show notes. So you guys can click all over the place and get connected right away and reach out to Dr. Gandhi and uh, make sure that you're just integrating your own journey into wherever it feels good for you. I always ask my guests 
two closing questions. And the first question is, I would love to know one thing that you love most about yourself. The one thing that I love the most about myself is my curiosity. Uh, I love learning about new things and just being open-hearted about open-minded, open-hearted about it. Yeah. I think that's the thing that I admire a lot. That's an incredible quality, curiosity. I I always say like curiosity is our cure. That's why it's called curiosity. Uh, So beautiful. And then the last question that I have for you is, what does joy feel like in your body? Ooh, wow. These are great questions. I love it, Heidi. (laughs) Uh, What does joy feel like in my body? I feel like it's, um, uh, there's like a, you know, sometimes it's like a giddiness, a little happiness that goes on, like, you know, subtle feeling in the background, but sometimes it feels uh, like a swelling of the heart, like, you know, full heart. And yeah, those are the, the couple of ways that I feel joy in my body. Ah, uh, I am feeling the swelling of my heart just by having spent this amazing, amazing time with you. And I just want to give you so much gratitude for shining your light, for just being such an incredible person on this planet. And I just appreciate your time and energy. Thank you so much, Heidi. It was a pleasure being on this uh, on your podcast and having this conversation with you. I loved it. It was I had so much joy in it. And I feel my heart open as well. Uh, So thank you for creating this space because, you know, it was all you. Amazing. Amazing. And to everybody else listening, make sure. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you loved the chat today, take a quick screenshot of this episode and send it to a friend. Connecting with you brings sunshine to my soul. So let's continue our conversation on Instagram at joyfullybe. And check out my soulful services at joyfullydivorced.com. Remember, joy is contagious. So go out there, shine your light bright, and live a limitless life.